Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Now I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 as we continue in our series on the resurrection. Last week, we talked about the testimony of the resurrection. And Paul's testimony was that when Jesus rose from the dead, one of the blessings, one of the benefits of his rising from the dead is that he released his grace. And we are all made by grace. Amen. It's all we're saved by grace and everything is done by the grace of God. God doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. And today we're going to be looking at some of the amazing promises that we can hold on to until we see the Lord face to face. Some amazing things that Jesus promises us that are meant to help us and to keep us uh, uh, in light of the resurrection. And today the title of the message is The Promise of the Resurrection. The Promise of the Resurrection. And we're going to go ahead and and just go, start to read. We're going to read 1 Corinthians 15, beginning with verse, uh, verse 12. We're going to read from 12 through 26. And look at me for a second. I want to encourage you once again. We really could have spent two or three months just on this chapter. There's so much there. And, uh, and, and here's another thing. Okay, today's message is, uh, is a good example of that. Look at me for a second, everyone. This is important, okay? When you read the Bible, when you read the Bible, it is important to meditate on what you read. It, the, the, the Word of God is spiritual. And if you meditate on the Word, it will, it will open up for you. The more you think about the Word, remember the Word is Jesus. Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. You see, and the Word became flesh. The Word of God is Christ. And when you read the Bible, don't read it like you read anything else. Read the Bible with a special kind of worship and reverence and humility and teachability. When you read something that you don't get, that's okay. Because the Word of God is so deep. It is so powerful. Give it time. Think about it. Pray about it. Sometimes a verse, when, when, you're, when your walk with God is, is, is good and you're reading your Bible on a consistent basis. This is not if you read your Bible once every blue moon, okay? When you read your Bible on a consistent basis, what starts to happen is that God starts to make truth jump out at you, okay? Now, sometimes the Lord will make a truth jump out at you, but you don't understand everything that it, mean, that it means. That's okay. You can take it word by word, and you can think about that word, and you can pray on that word, and you can, or, or verse by verse, and watch how, how the word of God will begin to, to open up. The Bible says, open my eyes that I might see the wonderful things in your law. 
Okay, and so just because verses are complicated doesn't mean you go past it. Okay, say, come on, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me. I want to meditate on a promise. Find a promise to meditate on. Amen. Okay, that's not what this sermon is about, but, but it's important because this is not exactly an easy passage of Scripture. So we're going to begin reading. Go ahead, 1 Corinthians. This is the resurrection chapter. This is the, the, the largest explanation on the resurrection. Uh, it's... Might be coming soon. I can just go ahead and, there it is. Hallelujah. Ready? Okay. It says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some say of you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Now I want to stop right here. This verse frames the whole conversation today. Okay, this verse frames the whole conversation. Part of the reason that 1 Corinthians 15 was written is because some people were becoming skeptical. Some people who were coming in later into the game, they were saying that there is no resurrection of the dead, that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. And part of what we're going to understand today is that since Jesus rose from the dead, so will we. You see? So will we. We will rise. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. Okay, so it says, but if, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So this is a little bit Paul saying, are you kidding me? All right? It says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. This is why, leave that there, this is why the resurrection is the fundamental truth of Christianity. Because if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then what's the point of my preaching to you? But hallelujah, we believe in the exceeding greatness of his power today, don't we? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. He has been raised from the dead. It says, more than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Without the resurrection, we can't have victory. We can't have cleansing. We can't sing all the blood. You understand? It says, then those who are fall, uh, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But if Christ has indeed uh, uh, been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen 
uh, but Christ, I'm sorry, not if, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Hallelujah. But each in turn, Christ the first fruits, this is the order of the resurrection. Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, that would be us. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And how many know his victory will be complete, his victory will be final, and our salvation is sure and free and total. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to look at these sentences that Paul wrote, and we're going to look at the implications because there are incredible promises kind of embedded in these verses uh, uh, that we just read. And what I want to do right now is I want to pray that God would help us to live off of the promises of God. Because as we wait for the resurrection, okay, we have his great and precious promises. The resurrection should be very, very meaningful to the people of God. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that as we approach, Lord, this, as we come to this time of the year, Lord, and we remember your death and your resurrection, we thank you, O oh God. We believe in the exceedingly great power, O oh God, that was released when you rose from the dead. We thank you, God, that your resurrection was real and true and powerful. And, Lord, there will be a day when you'll come back for us, O oh God, and we will rise and we will be with you forever. We thank you. And, Lord, until that time, I pray that you would impart, O oh God, a revelation of your promises to every heart, to every life, to every home. Let your word Hold us and keep us until we see you face to face. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Now the overarching promise of the resurrection is that there is a second life for us. Okay? The overarching promise of the resurrection is this, is that some of us will die. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. Uh, uh, um, at the end of the chapter, next week we'll cover the verses that say, you know, uh, we won't all sleep but we'll all be changed. And uh, it's, it's some of us will, will pass from this life, but when it's all said and done, at the end of time, when Jesus conquers the enemy, then we will all rise. We'll, the dead shall rise in Christ. Then we'll be with him forever and ever and ever, and our salvation will be complete. And all of that is because of the resurrection, and the resurrection is proof. 
When people say, how do you know there's a heaven? How do you know there's life after death? Here's how we know. Jesus proved that there's life after death by rising from the dead. You see, if he rose from the dead, then how many would agree? He can raise us all from the dead. So there's a second life. Some people love to say there's nothing in the beyond. Oh, no, but for us, the beyond is even better than the now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The streets of gold. The presence of God, no sun, because his face, his presence will be the glory and the light for all of eternity. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. We're looking forward to that second life, that eternal life. Now, here's what we want to do. We want to look at some of the implications of that. There are three implications of this promise of the resurrection, this promise of the second life that every Christian should know. This is one of those, every Christian should know this in their heart. And, this is, and we're going to go over it now. The first one is this, and I've, just, I've been talking about it. First one is, we will be raised up. We will be raised up. It says, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? What the Apostle Paul was saying is, Christ was raised from the dead, and we will be raised from the dead. We will be raised up. There is another life. God has another life for us. We're just passing through. This is short. This is momentary. And that's why we want to do everything that we can now. We want to serve God and we want to honor God and we want to glorify God. That's why we're preaching the gospel. We want to see as many people come into the kingdom as possible because the day is going to come when our work will be over. And it's going to be joy unspeakable and full of glory. Yes, indeed, there is a beyond and there's a promise. We're going to be raised up. And here's the essence of being raised up. We will be raised up to a new body, a new home, a new nature, and a new family. We will be raised up to a new body, a new home, a new nature, and a new family. You know, yesterday when we left here, um, I, was, uh, I was really praying for one of, our, one of the members of our church, Mike Risher, who's one of our deacons, and he and his wife, they serve in so many different ministries, and they, they do so much. So Mike, on Friday, had um, rotator cuff surgery, and, um, and, it was, and I've, I've had soldier, uh, shoulder surgery, um, and I had a ligament transplant done, and I remember waking up the next morning, and I was telling Mike, hey, um... When you wake up the next day, I'm telling you right now, stay on those meds because it hurts. And, and the surgery that I got compared to his is like nothing. He had major surgery. And so I'm driving home and I'm like praying, Lord, because I know you wake up. You know, you, we take for granted moving around. And, and uh, when you get surgery like that, you go like this and you just feel it down deep in places like so I'm like praying, God, help him, help him. We have, we have all of these 
issues with our body, that sister battling with cancer. But listen, the day is going to come when we're going to receive new bodies, bodies that never get tired, bodies that never feel pain. Hallelujah. We will receive glorified bodies. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In other words, all of our earthly hardships and limitations will be removed. All of those things will be removed. Now, I want you to think about this. God has injected into this life hints of transformation. Carbon turns into diamonds. Caterpillars can turn into butterflies. Right? Seeds can turn into trees. Babies can turn into men. And one day, what we're talking about is strange, but one day we won't be who we are. You see, we won't be who we are. We're going to be raised up, and we're going to be different. And it's very, very important as you live through this life, okay, as Christians, when, when we experience the challenges, like I'm thinking, I, I read in the news today that uh, uh, we have brothers, some, a Christian church in Egypt was bombed, and a number of people, a 22 I believe, or 26, died in such terrible hardship. This is a sinful world. But how many know we're going to be raised up? How many know we're going to see those brothers in heaven one day? How many know no matter what the devil does now, hallelujah, he can't stop what Jesus is going to do for us then. And so we will be raised up. We will be raised up. This is, it's, it's, this is just temporary. We're just passing through. And as a believer, there are times when you need that promise because that promise gives you perspective. You know, that some people want God to just fix everything and make your life perfect. And, and I'm telling you right now, that's only going to happen when we're raised up. In this life, we're going to have many, many troubles. But hallelujah, we will be raised up. So because of the nature of this message, I want to give you some takeaways. And here's the takeaway for the first point, the first implication. And that takeaway is this. Rejoice because transformation is coming. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice because transformation is coming on our hardest day when we get up and things are not going well. We can rejoice because we know transformation is coming. We will be raised up. We are just passing through. Hallelujah, God. The psalmist said, I will bless the Lord at all times. How do you bless the Lord during hard times? Well, you obviously are, are, are not happy about what's going on in the present. But see, the Christian understands that even when tough things are happening in the present, we look to the promise of the future. We will be raised up. We will be raised up. And this is, this is how strong Christians live. Strong Christians say, this is bad now, but that's okay. Because I know God is good. And I know that this won't be forever. You know, someone, I, I heard someone said, I think it was on the news or something, someone said, you know, the Bible says this too shall pass. Well, the Bible doesn't exactly say that. 
But it does imply it. It implies that no matter what you're going through today, guess what? If you belong to Jesus, we're going to be raised up in our lives forever and ever. One of the things that's difficult about this passage of Scripture, and one of the things that's difficult when you think about heaven and the life after, is that all we know is now. We know from here back. Okay, but you know what? Faith understands that there's, life is not just from here back. Faith understands that there's a beautiful future for us. And so we rejoice and we praise God. And by the way, by the way, part of why you can look at a situation that is really ugly and difficult today and think about the fact that even though it's hard today, because God has such a great tomorrow for us, we don't know the day or the hour, but we know that if God is able to transform our future, how many know God is able to transform all of our situations? Transformation is coming. And so the first thing we want to we wanna be assured of and remember is that we will be raised up. Paul was saying, don't you dare say that we won't have a second life because eternal life is coming for us. One of the most difficult things to preach on is the life after. Because all we, you know, all we feel is now. But what a day that will be. Close your eyes just for a second. Come on, let's lift our hands to him. Hallelujah. Let's thank him for the future. Come on, we thank you, God. We thank you for that day. We thank you for the work you did, oh God. And we thank you for that day, Lord God. We thank you, God. We thank you that transformation is coming, oh God. We thank you that no matter what is going on here, oh God, there it will all be, all be gone. No more tears, no more sorrows, no more hurt, no more pain. Thank you, God. Our salvation is sure today, Lord. And we rejoice in you today, oh God. We rejoice in you. Oh, that blood secured our victory forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. We will be raised up. The second thing that this passage teaches us is that our hope is complete. Our hope is complete. It says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And here's the key verse. It says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Okay? So what, what the Apostle Paul was saying is, is to say that, you, to, that you're a Christian, but, but the help of God and the presence of Christ in your life is only for this life, he's saying that's pitiful. He's saying our hope is bigger than that. Everyone say, my hope is bigger than that. Absolutely. 
Our hope is bigger than that. Our hope is not just for now. Our hope is complete. The Bible talks about that we have hope in this life and in the life after. And I want to explain to you what complete hope is. Okay? Here's what complete hope is. It means that our debt was paid in the past, that our home is prepared in the future, and that our helper is with us in the present. Hallelujah. Okay, let's read that together. Ready? Our debt was paid in the past. Our hope is prepared in the future. And our helper is with us in the present. Our hope is complete. Hope means that you have this great expectation. Okay? You have a great expectation of an amazing outcome. Okay, Christians are called to live with hope. But hope, our hope is complete. Our hope is past, present, and future. Our hope in the past is that the work of the cross was sufficient to deal with all of my ugliness today. Aren't you thankful when I first became a Christian, I used to think when I got saved, God forgave me, right? But the cross only worked for that one time. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like you messed up, you, you messed up and you're like, well, Jesus won't forgive me of this because I should know better. Come on. Don't, that's right. But the, the forgiveness, the power of the blood is complete. It's total. On our worst day, we just turn to him. And we know that we know we can expect mercy from God. Why? Because he paid for our debt. A Christian takes on a new kind of strength, a new kind of authority. Listen, listen, this is a tough message to preach because you have to try to apply it. Okay? So here's what happens. A lot of Christians don't apply the power of the cross to their life. They live constantly condemned. They live constantly feeling down about themselves. But no matter how much ugliness you see and you remember, the debt has been paid, the debt has been prayed, and the helper is present. Hallelujah. He's present to help us. And that's why we talk about this all the time. My wife and I talk about this all the time. We don't believe in theology that you just get through. Help me, Jesus, I'm hanging on. No. No. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Because the helper is present. The helper is present. Somebody here today needs to remember that the helper is present. The debt was paid. The future is taken care of. But hallelujah, because of resurrection power, the helper is present. He's your helper today. That's how we get through things when life breaks our heart. When things happen and our hearts are shattered, we know. The helper is present. If you're really going through something today, I want to encourage you. The helper 
is present. Do you know the Holy Spirit is called the paraclete? That means he's the helper. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, he will quicken your mortal body. Why? Because that spirit is the paraclete. He's the helper. And so here's the takeaway for this one. The, ta the takeaway is remember, he who began the work will complete it. Even if you are really clear on the fact that God is not finished with you yet. Some days you're more sure of that than others. You know, how many know the one who started this, the one who called you, he's the one who's going to finish it. The helper is present. The helper is present when we feel temptation. The helper is present when we feel discouraged. The helper is present when we've got battles on the job. The helper is always present. And remember this, guys. Remember this. We have our problems, but because we have the helper, this, the helper has solutions that we don't know anything about. And so the reason why it's important for us to apply this truth today is because there are things that God will do to fix our problems that we would have never thought about. But hallelujah, the helper is present. So funny, so ironically, I called uh, um, Mike and um, as I was going home on Friday or yesterday just to check on him. And we were talking about something. You know, he's on the board, so we were talking about something with the church. You know what he said to me? He said to me, listen, don't even try to figure it out. God's got this. He said, don't figure it out. God's got this. How come, how come we can say God's got this? You know why? It's because the helper is present. Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise God. He's with us. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We need this. We need to know. We need to know. You know, uh, when I play baseball, and we're going to come to the last point, but listen, when I play baseball, I realize there are things in sports and in baseball when I used to pit that everybody knows. And then there are things that not everybody knows. And guess what? It's the stuff that not everybody knows that makes the great guys great. You see? This kind of iron in your spirit and in your soul, okay? Christians that think about, about the resurrection of Jesus, okay, not all Christians think about the resurrection of Jesus, but the Christians that think about the resurrection of Jesus, that think about the fact that our hope is complete and that God's got this, the Christians who really live with the fact, hey, it might be tough right now, but I know where I'm going. I know that we will be raised up. I was talking to one of our staff members who went to Tibet, and listen to what this person said. This person said to them, man, uh, um, I can't wait till, till somehow in the next life I'll, I'll be able to get to America. As if America was heaven compared to Tibet. And they think that you die and you keep trying and you keep trying. 
And, uh, and the Christian was saying, listen, no, 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 no. When you accept Jesus, you bypass America. America's got issues. Hallelujah. We're going to glory. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We need this in our spirit. We need it. We need to think about this. If it's in the Bible, it's because he wants us to think about it. We will be raised up. Our hope is complete. And here's the last thing. Okay, the last thing that this passage of Scripture is teaching us is that our enemy will be conquered. Our enemy will be conquered. He says, then comes the end. When he delivers this is Jesus. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after, everyone let's read this together, destroying every rule and every authority and power. That's what he's going to do. He will destroy every rule, every authority and power. The day will come when the end will come and Jesus will conquer our enemy. Every rule, authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. See, and the reason why this is so important, guys, is because we understand that when we're raised up on the last day, death, which is our enemy, will be absolutely defeated. You realize when we get to heaven, once we get to heaven, no one will ever die. No funerals in heaven. No hospitals in heaven. Every work of darkness in the end of time will be destroyed. Now here's why we need this, okay? Here's why we need this. Because sometimes things happen to you in your life. Please listen to me. Sometimes things happen to you in your life. And when things happen to you in your life, you can get bitter. You can, you can choose to blame God. Some people, they want to serve God, but they're angry at God. I can't tell you how many, how many times over the years what I've had to say to someone is, look, you feel hurt, you feel this, you feel that, but what's really bugging you is that you're angry with God. You see? And part of the reason why we get angry with God when hard things happen is because we've lost sight that we have an enemy here that will one day be utterly destroyed. So sometimes we want justice. Justice will come. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You realize that every wicked ruler, every wicked person who chooses not to be washed in the blood, they will get their just desserts. God will make everything right. The, the, the Hitler and Al-Qaeda and ISIS and all of the people who have done all of these things. Is that for us to deal with? No, that's for God to deal with. But we can be at rest. Hallelujah. Even when we don't get revenge, we don't need revenge because God will settle our affairs on the last day. God will settle our affairs. Don't let revenge get in your heart. 
Don't let anger and hurt and pain get in your heart. No, not when we're waiting for the resurrection, hallelujah. We're waiting for that day and all of our enemies will be conquered. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I don't know how he's going to make it right. I don't understand. I don't understand how it's going to be that powerful that it will all be erased. You see, I was thinking about this, and I'll come to a close in a minute. I was thinking about it's this very reason that when the Bible says pray for your enemies, it makes sense. See, because think about this. God says, pray for your enemies. Don't hate them. Love them. You know why? Because God's power is so great. The price that he paid was so great and his, and his power was so great on the cross that if your enemy repents, if they get right with God... When you get to heaven, that person who lived as your enemy here will be your closest friend forever and ever. The, the, the transforming power of God is so amazing that we don't even understand. Think about the person that you love the most today on this planet. God's transforming power is so great that the person who hurt you here, you will love them like that there times 10,000. Now listen, if for some reason that doesn't happen, then whatever they deserve, you won't have the burden of giving them what they deserve. God will give them what they deserve, and your heart will be free. Your heart will be released. It will be joy unspeakable and full of glory. I know I'm talking kind of deep to you, right? But see, that's what the resurrection is all about. That's why I started by saying, you got to meditate. You got to think about, you got to take your life and you have to match it. So, look, it may be, maybe you're battling today with a certain kind of temptation. You know, we all do, we all have temptations. Everyone has a, a learn this quick, okay? Everyone, because of the sin that we got from Adam, as we just read, we all have structural weaknesses. We all have things that we incline to. So some people might incline towards uh, um, vices. Some people might incline towards the bottle or, or maybe sexuality. Or some people are inclined towards gossip or pride or prejudice. It doesn't matter. We all have parts of us that are like bent the wrong way. Can, can I get an amen that that's true? Amen. Come on, tell the truth. All of us. We have these bents, and what the enemy does is he harasses us, and he tempts us over and over and over and over again. He studies you. He puts a file on you. And if he knows you're full of pride, he's always trying to sew things in to make you feel proud. And then the Holy Spirit comes along and says, no, don't do that. Pride that's the work of Satan. Okay? And then, and then your heart goes, oh, Lord. You ever had that? Oh, Lord. Or, or, or whatever the temptation is, you see. But whatever harasses you today, just know 
one day our enemy will be completely conquered. One day, it's worth today to live with the struggles of temptation. Here's what I'm trying to say. It's worth it. It's worth to say, look, I've got this fallen body. I've got this fallen nature. I've got this ugly attitude. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I have to repent 20 times in one day to God. No, nah, not you guys, right? I, over and over, i got to say, God, my attitude is not right, God. My heart is not right, God. God, help my heart. Help my heart. How many times do you say to God, God, you got to help my heart? You know, you got a bad temper, you got to go like this. <sighs> right? You know that. You know that side. <sighs> and you know what? So sometimes life is vexing and heavy because you're just battling with stuff. You're just struggling with stuff. You're, you're waiting for God to do something, and you're waiting. You're like, how long, oh, Lord? You know, that's how they would pray. How long, oh, Lord? How long? But let me tell you something. One day, that will be resolved. And on that day, our enemy will be totally conquered, and we won't have to deal with him anymore. Can we praise God? Because our victory is total. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that's why we sing, oh, the blood of Jesus washes me. Oh, the blood of Jesus is my victory. You know, there's a story about Smith Wigglesworth. And um, he was uh, just a, a, a great man of God. I've told, I, I, I think of him because he was famous for his temper and he got saved. And the Lord did a lot of, it, it's so funny. There's a story about Smith Wigglesworth. He was a unique evangelist, and a guy was mowing his lawn. And while the guy was mowing his lawn, no, he was working on his lawn. This is, I, I believe it was in London, and he's working on his lawn. And Smith Wigglesworth, you know, when God saved him, he had a lot of work to do. Smith Wigglesworth walks up to the guy and pushes him over. Imagine, this is a new kind of evangelism. So the guy's like this. Smith Wigglesworth pushes him over. The guy falls down and he goes, do you know Jesus? That's the way to save him, guys. Okay, it's getting warm out. Start pushing people over this week. He pushes the guy over and the guy goes, no, I don't know Jesus. He goes, what are you going to do about it? And the guy got saved. You know, now that is not recommended evangelism strategy, okay? But God uses imperfect people. And who knows that Smith Wigglesworth may have gone home that day and said, Lord, I'm sorry. You ever do that? You ever say, I'm sorry, God. I prayed about that today. I, the very thing I prayed for, I ended up doing. Paul said, look, the things that I, that I don't want to do, I end up doing. But hallelujah, one day, we won't do it anymore. We won't do it anymore. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of Jesus. So here's the close, and then we'll just sing and pray together. Ready? Here's the takeaway. Relax 
because your victory is sure. When your heart condemns you, the Bible says, God is greater than your heart. When your heart puts you down, when you feel tired and you're like, I can't do this, I'm not a good Christian, I'm not, that's okay. We serve a good, good Father. We serve a good, good God, and His blood is sufficient to wash us until the victory is complete. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. So look, we're going to sing that song, Oh, the blood of Jesus. Some people here, what you need to do is you need to rejoice today. You just need to rejoice because you know, you know that God's got that set up for you. Are you a little disappointed with your life today? Rejoice because you're going to be taken up. And it'll be perfect. There's some people here, you have to remember, our hope is complete and the helper is with us. Okay? And he helps us because we need help. Not because we're perfect. Or maybe you're here and you're in the struggle of temptation and battle. And you're, and you're relaxed because your victory is sure. We thank you. We thank you that what happened 2,000 years ago was powerful then, is powerful today, and will be powerful, oh God, until we see you face to face. Bless all of your people now as they go. Give them a wonderful day in you. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. Come on, let's give God one more hand.